Hey everybody, welcome to the Eagle Naz Church Podcast. My name is Trevor, and I'm one of the pastors here at Eagle Naz. We hope that the next 30 minutes helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus, and that you will see how God wants to move in your life. Thanks for listening. How many of you opened a present before Christmas morning? Were you supposed to? How many of you shook something or did that kind of stuff? Some of you are afraid to admit it because you're going to be held accountable. Well, what's interesting is that as we think about this subject of waiting that we've been in, and today's the finale of this sermon series, is that we've talked a lot about hoping and we've talked about different elements of what, it is, what is required for us to be willing to wait. You know, willing to wait for those cookies to be done. Why, why did they ever put the window in the oven door? I mean, it's murder. It's like, I think, oh, they're looking, you know, and you just want to open it and grab it rather than wait on the timer. How many of you have ever eaten a cookie before it was done? How many of you have ever jumped into a cake before it was done? Those are really gross. <clears throat> but as we look at this subject today on the subject of waiting, there were two people that were waiting upon the Lord. But I want us to begin with understanding this premise is that, that in this world, one of the reasons we wait upon God is because we believe that he is the creator. We believe that he is the maker of all things. And we believe that he holds the, the purpose of life. He communicates the purpose of life. He helps us to understand why do we exist and what is life all about. That is the primary question that most people have is why? Why are we here? Why do we exist? Well, what's interesting is this world often tells you that your identity or your purpose is in stuff. Your identity is in your good looks. Your identity is in how smart you are. Your identity is in your letterman's jacket and how many pins you have on there, how many championships you have on you. On you. Or, you know, your identity is in being the best pianist or being on the team or being the coach. It's about your money. It's, but, it, but if our identity is in all those things and all those things are temporal, what happens if we lose them? We lose our good looks. We lose our money. We lose our ability to reason. Well, our culture today, more than any other culture, has more anxiety and depression than any other generation. And I think it's because we have bought in more and more to our identity is in getting likes on our posts. Our identity is in, in people agreeing with us. And if that's true, that's a major crisis. That's a major problem waiting to happen for us. Well, what's interesting is I think Scripture identifies and helps us understand this question of identity and this question of purpose through the story of two people. Now, I'm going to read two different texts. And the first one, you get to be seated because some of you look tired. It's just an observation. If you need to take a nap, do so this afternoon. Stay awake for now. So Luke chapter 2, verse 22, it says this, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, <clears throat> they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So pause. The background is this. According to Leviticus, if a woman had a child, before she could enter into the court again, she would have to go through a purification rite. And the baby was also to be brought to be presented to the Lord. So let's continue. As 
it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Why? Because they are the inheritance. They are the one to pass on the name in the next generations. Verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of two turtle doves and a partridge. No, two turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now, what you need to understand is this. This is the exception to the rule. The law says you must purchase a lamb and bring a lamb. But if you are not financially able then you can bring two turtle doves. So what does this tell us? It tells us that Joseph and Mary are not rich people. In fact, you could label them poor people. They don't have the latest iPad. They don't have the latest pair of jeans that are all ripped up to where you see more skin than, than jeans. I was going to wear mine today, but then I thought everybody's going to want them. So they bring two turtle doves, right? And then what does it say? Verse 25, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name is Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. That's his M.O. This is how people know him. That's what he, he is. It's become his reputation. Verse 26, And it has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, he's heard, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, which means the Spirit of God can be with you at home. He can be with you as you're driving or as you're walking. You don't have to get to church to get the Spirit. The Spirit is with us wherever. So he's going to see him. He came in the Spirit. And when he saw the two parents, and the parents brought in this Jesus child to do for him according to the custom of law, he took him up in his arms, baby snatcher, and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, everyone's included, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for your glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother, Joseph and Mary, marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the falling and rising of many in Israel. In other words, he's going to separate the sheep and the goats. Truth is going to be laid out, and those who are fake are going to be obvious, and those who are genuine are going to be seen as well. And it came, and it happened. And he said, Behold, this child is appointed for the rise and the fall, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Mary, did you know? so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Wow. It's interesting to us in what we see here is we see that this Simeon guy who has come to know God and has become a follower of God who has been designated, denoted righteous and devout, which means he has this common thread of discipline and, and he's about it. He's continuing to be a part of the community of God. So he's participating in worship. He's participating in praise. He's constantly in the presence of God and is moved by God. He understands God and he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. Well, what is consolation? Well, consolation is the same Greek word, paraclete, which is Holy Spirit, which is comforter. In Philippians 2.1, it says this. It says that if there is any encouragement in Christ and if there is any comfort 
It's actually consolation. If there's any consolation in love, if your relationship with the Holy Spirit, if your relationship with Jesus, if there's any comfort, any consolation in his love, then be like-minded. It's saying there's no way to be in the presence of God without receiving comfort. Unless you're just sticking to your guns and saying, you will give me or else. We can't comfort you if you're not really wanting comfort. You're just wanting something. It's your way or the highway. So he waited for this comforter because he realized this is something that's needed in his generation. Does this generation need a comforter? Do we need someone who will bring peace and goodwill? Maybe take care of depression or anxiety, those types of things? Well, stand with me as we go into this next section to look at another person. Stand with me. We're going from Luke 2, and we're going to read verse 36 and following. And it says this, so there was Simeon, but now there is a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. So she had lived for God, she had gotten married, and then as a widow until she was 84 years old. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to whom all were waiting for the redemption of Israel. You may be seated. Well, so we have Simeon, and now we have Anna. Well, how is she defined? She's defined as a prophetess. She is someone that the Lord is using to speak into the lives of other people. But she wasn't just a prophetess. She was someone defined as a worshiper day and night. It's as if she never left the temple. They must have had an awesome restaurant in that church. And they must have had a great sleeping quarters. And and I don't know. But she never left the temple is what it says. She had a habit. She was devout. She was there. And she was fasting and praying. Well, what was she fasting and praying for? The redemption of Israel. Well, that's a little bit different than consolation, comforter. She's saying, my generation needs a redeemer. My generation needs someone that's going to come and fix the brokenness of the world. We don't just need comfort. We need change. We need transformation. Sometimes as Christians, we're more about God comfort me and give me what I want rather than change my heart and change my world. Anna says, we need this deliverer, this redeemer. I would propose that both of these, Simeon and Anna, knew this. Identity invites intimacy. They longed to be in God's presence. They longed to be with God's people because God loves people. God provides for people. He wants us to know his heart. He wants us to know his will. He wants us to walk in his ways. He wants us to have his character, to be like him, to be influenced by him. She had been a widow for 60-some years. That's a long time. Obviously, They had only been married seven years before he passed. I think he got ran over by a reindeer. No, he he didn't. But she had been a widow a long time, and she had come to see her identity in God rather than her identity in being a widow. 
And so she was living in this intimacy and, and she was living in this identity of being a prophetess, of being who God wanted her to be. And in that, we need to understand that identity influences habits. We all have habits. We have monthly habits of paying the bills. We have weekly habits of cleaning the house. We have daily habits of brushing our teeth or combing our hair or hopefully showering or hopefully eating and hopefully doing a little bit of maybe some exercising or whatever. But habits are defined as something that we do as a regular practice. It's a tendency. Sometimes we think about them, sometimes we don't. But our habits are a reflection of our belief in our identity. You see, if I believe I'm worthless... If I believe I'm a loser, then I will do self-destructive habits. I will do things that are harming to myself, not building myself up, not giving myself the potential. Rather than doing that which will give me what God wants for me, I second guess. I destroy. So our identity affects our habits. It influences our habits. And a habit is a lifestyle or an identity to be lived. Habits are an identity to be lived. So if you were to look at it this way, if you were to consider this whole idea of habits as an onion, the outer shell would be this. The outer shell would be this. The outcomes. What is it that I want? I want to lose weight. I want to have devotions every day. Whatever it is, it's something that you're projecting. It's something that you're wanting. But the second layer is this. The second layer is that of the process. What are the habits that I want to form? You know what? I want to do one push-up a day. They say start small. I'm going to do one. I'm going to be a healthy man. You know what? My identity, I'm going to choose to be as healthy of a man as I can be. I'm going to do one push-up a day. And so that's the process. How am I going to get it done? But the center core of it all is Identity. It's changing my beliefs as to who I am. It's believing in who God says that I am, even if I question it because I haven't experienced it. He says that I'm holy, that I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And when something is sealed with the Holy Spirit, what it is saying is it's been marked as complete. It's been marked as pure. It's been marked as whole. But am I living my life like I'm whole? Or am I chasing, grabbing stuff? Well, if I'm grabbing, chasing stuff is I just need one more of this and I just, oh, then I'm not living out my identity. So am I willing to look at this and not focus totally on the outcomes because the outcome is what you get. The process is about what you do and the identity is about what you believe. But if we're not careful, we become about performance. Do you hear me? You see, the world teaches this. If you will do this, you will have this and you'll be this. If you drink our beer, beer commercials are the best. I, I don't drink, but some of the commercials really sell this well. If you drink our beer, what are you going to have? You're going to have a good time. You're going to have friends. So what are you going to be? You're going to be happy and you're going to be popular. Who doesn't want to be popular? Drink our beer. Cadillac commercials are really good too. If you buy our car, you're going to have success and you're going to be successful, you're going to be popular because you got our car. What happens if you wreck the car? Well, we'll sell you another one. What if you get a beer gut? Well, that's on you. Oh, great, now your identity's down the tank because you're not fit anymore. 
Where is our identity? Where do we find our identity? What about our habits? I would suggest this, that there are two main habits that God would want you to know about. The first habit is this, the being habits. The being habits. Number one is we want to accept and abide in God's love. That's the being. God, I want to accept and abide in you. John 15 says, abide in me. Abide in me. The first thing that I want to do in my identity as a Christian is to abide in you. I don't want to abide in performance. I want to abide in your love. And how do I do that? Well, the first thing is I need to experience solitude. I need to be in his presence. Jesus went away and got alone with the Lord all the time. I need to experience solitude. One of the things that I have to do then is I have to give up my phone to experience solitude. I can't be doing this. I need some solitude. I need to get away from, and I need to come to, experiencing solitude. Second is practicing prayer. God, this is what is going on in my day. This is my perception. God, I'm angry right now. What? Can you help me understand why that is? God, I'm feeling abandoned right now. Can you help me understand what, what's, what's behind that? God, I'm feeling really prideful right now. Can you help me? What, where, where's that coming from? God, I, I need to be with you, and I need to pray. And the third thing is, I need to know your word. Simeon knew the word of God. He knew that a Messiah was coming, and the Lord revealed, hey, not only am I coming, but I'm going to come in your lifetime. I'm sending Jesus in your lifetime. And applying that scripture, God, your word says to be slow to become angry. Man, can you help me learn how to be that? Your word tells me to encourage one another and all the more. Can you, can you help me? I, w- I want to be an encourager rather than a Danny Downer. And the last one is maintaining supportive relationships. Who are you hanging with? Are they people that that identify and live within your identity realm, your family realm? Or are you constantly hanging out with people who think that identity comes from the temporal stuff? Now, it's not wrong to know people or associate with people, but who do you... Who influences you and what's your hang time all about? Those are the being habits. Those are the core. Those are the center. Those are the part of the identity that we need to live in and and then branch off of. And then there's the doing habits. The doing habits. Obeying God and expressing his love. What's the doing about? It's about the being. Again, the world says do this, have this, be this. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Be this. Be my child. You will have my love. And what are you going to do? You're going to love one another. If you'll be my child, you'll have my forgiveness. And what are you going to do? You're going to forgive other people. If you'll be my child, you'll have my encouragement. What are you going to do? You're going to encourage other people. It's being to the doing, not doing to the being. So when we think of the doing, again, don't get them primary. They're secondary. But the first one is this, grace. Are you willing to express grace to one another. Have any of you been struggling with being gracious during the holidays with any family members? Do not raise your hand. You know, I only have seven grandkids running around the house, and they're back there. Hi, grandkids. I didn't see them come in. Hi, guys. But it's, it's like a rat race. How do, you, how do you be gracious? And then the next word is, how do you be forgiving? Forgiving, forgive as you've been forgiven. And then encouraging, how do I choose to encourage one another? And and Colossians 3 talks about 
encourage each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's also repeated in, in Hebrews chapter 10, this idea of encouraging one another. And the last one is living in community. Did Simeon and Anna do any of those? Was their life reflected by any of these being and doing habits? Remember, in community, that's where iron sharpens iron. It's really hard for iron to sharpen iron if, if one is over there and the other one's over there. I'm in the mountains and you're by the stream. I'm at the football game and you're at the basketball game. There is this call to community. Hebrews 10.25, let us not give up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. There's a value in coming together. Why do we live out these habits? Because these habits of being put us in the presence of the Prince of Peace, Jesus. Rick Warren says, your character is essentially defined or summed up in your habits. So what my habits are, totally reveal and show my character. And so it's important to be involved in these habits because they help us live out who we are meant to be. Identity influence habits. But you know, people can do the right thing. A lot of what we would say non-Christians can do a lot of good things because there's a lot of things that are doable without the presence of the Holy Spirit, without the empowerment of the Spirit. You can, I can bake cookies and take them to the neighbor. I can mow somebody's lawn. There's a lot of things that I can do without the presence of God in my life. They're good things, but, but there's a difference between doing the right thing or the good thing and doing it in the right heart with the right mindset in the right way. You know, there was a guy that um, had decided to have a, a little romantic time with his woman. And he had gone by, I, I want to say it was Kentucky Fried, I, I don't know the facts, but I think it was Kentucky Fried Chicken. But he, he drove by and got the nine-piece chicken dinner, and he went to the city park to be under the moonlight with his woman. He wondered in driving there why the bucket of chicken didn't really smell like chicken. But he didn't worry about it because he was so caught up in this romantic time with his woman at the park under the moonlight. I mean, who wouldn't be focused on that rather than the chicken? But he got there, and he sat down with his gal with the blanket out and opened up the bucket of chicken to find $9,000. Literally, true story. He was so ticked off. Where's my chicken? He got back in his car, drove back to the restaurant, and, and said, I need to see the manger. And the manger stepped up, and he said, you gave me this when I ordered chicken. The manager said, oh, sir, just a moment. Let me get a pen and paper. I need your name because I want you to get interviewed by our local TV station because our community needs to know that there's still good people out there that do the right thing. He goes, hey, you know, I, I just want my chicken. He goes, no, seriously, seriously, I have a friend there at the, at the TV station. They'll come out. And they'll, no, seriously, give me your name and number because people need to know that there are still honorable, trustworthy people that do the right thing. May I have, and is that your wife? Can I have both of your names and phone number? And he said, that's not my wife. My wife's at home. That's my girlfriend. Is there a problem there? Why did you guys say, oh? Well, he did the right thing. He brought the money back. But was it really for the right reason? 
Simeon and Anna were in the temple, praising God, worshiping, fasting, praying, speaking into other people's lives, encouraging other people. They were loving because they were loved. They were being gracious because they had received gracious. They were encouraging because they had been encouraged. They were living from their identity. They were being so that they could do. What is our primary goal? Our primary goal is to be in the presence of God. The scripture says that Simeon had the presence of the Holy Spirit upon him. Do you think he was stooped over because the Holy Spirit's so heavy? Or do you think the Holy Spirit helped him to walk in confidence, with boldness, with grace and forgiveness? Listen to this quote from John Comer. He says, a disciple or a discipline is a way of accessing power. A spiritual discipline is similar but different. It's similar in that it's an acti any activity I can do by direct effort that will eventually enable me to do that which currently I cannot do by direct effort. It's a way to access power, but it's a different in that not only are you exercising your own capacity to do the right thing, which is willpower, but you are also opening yourself up to a power that is beyond your own, that of the Holy Spirit. You are creating time and space to access God himself at the deepest level of your being. What does that mean? I'm abiding. I'm being influenced by him. There are doing activities where, God, I know I, know I need to forgive. I need your strength. I need your power. I know I need to be gracious, God. I don't see it their way, but I want to be gracious. Will you empower me with your graciousness? God, I don't even want to be with that person, but will you help me to be in their presence and love them the way that you have loved me and the way that many in my fellowship have loved me unconditionally? May I be that unconditional lover. Doesn't mean they have to be my best friend, but but can I, will you help me do that? And I believe that Simeon and Anna had done something. There's, there's two options in the world. There's two options in your life this very day. It's, it's ego. You can either edge God out by being busy and doing your own thing. You know, I'll pray, I'll pray when I get a moment. I'll, I'll, I'll praise God when I get a moment. I can either edge God out or I can exalt him only. I can exalt God only. In other words, I can give him my life, and I can give him my strengths, I can give him my identity, I can do all those things. And the focus here can be one of two things. I'm not preaching a sermon on, you need to get with it and start doing the right things. The message today is, God is calling you to an intimate relationship and an identity in him because he wants to give you his Holy Spirit, that you may abide in the Spirit, be influenced by the Spirit, and live for him and in him. And the outcome of it is Simeon was led by the Spirit to go back to the temple, and he walked in, and who did he see? In a crowd, Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus. How many days old? 40 days old. That's going to be on the quiz. 
Jesus was 40 days old and Simeon got to see him and he said, oh, how you have blessed me. I may now die in peace because I've got to see the consolation. I've got to see the comforter, the one who's gonna come and change the game. Are you living from your identity, your identity in Christ? Have you received him first and foremost? And if you have, are you living from that identity that you're his kid?